Welcome back. It's been a long time, but we are back and bigger than ever. We officially rebranded from 7-Eleven Sports to the Sports Town Podcast, or the STP Pod for short. I'm your host, JJ Peters, along with my co-host, Michael Menser. Michael is not here today, but he will be here on most episodes. Michael is the host of the YouTube gaming channel, Angry Turtles. Don't forget to check him out on YouTube and leave a like, subscribe, comment on his channel along with our podcast. It would be a huge help to Michael if you started following Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at MichaelMenser28. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to my brother, Rob. He was a huge help back in the 7-Eleven Sports days. And if it wasn't for him, this podcast would not be possible. Welcome to the Sports Town Podcast. No drama, no politics, and no arguing. Just two guys talking sports. On the first episode of Season 2, we'll discuss the Lakers win 17th championship, Week 5 NFL highlights, Falcons fire Dan Quinn, and much more. Of course, on every episode, we'll have a poll question, and you can vote on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the question was, who is the best team in the NFL right now? And the results are in, and it is currently a tie at 50-50. The first episode we're going to dive in today, or first, not episode, the first topic of the episode we're going to dive in today is the Atlanta Falcons firing Dan Quinn. After losing to the Panthers on Sunday, Falcons owner Arthur Blank decided to part ways with head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitriel. Atlanta has started a league worst 0-5, Arthur Blank said after firing Quinn and Dimitriel. Decisions like these are very difficult, but the previous two seasons and to start this one have been especially hard for me because the deep love, admiration, and respect I and my family have for Dan, Thomas, and their families. He continued, for many years, they have represented me, our team, organization, and land with class, commitment, and the passion you would want in the leaders of a team. But as a business, everyone knows as a result, and I owe it to our fans and to put the best product we can on the field. We have poured out every resource possible in the winning, and we'll continue to do so. Results of late the results of late have uh, do not meet our standard and what I've promised our fans. Therefore, we will install new coaching and personal leadership of the Atlanta Falcons at the appropriate time. The Atlanta Falcons have promoted defensive coordinator Raheem Morris to interim coach. My first thoughts are it's not surprising that the Falcons and Dan Quinn and Demet have let Dan Quinn and Dimitri Alf go. Ever since the tough Super Bowl lost 28 to three, they have never seemed to be able to recover. Land did make the playoffs the year after, but lost to the Eagles in the second round. You would think if you have the best quarterback in the game and the best offense from 26 to 2018, the Falcons would have at least one Super Bowl to show for. There were also multiple sources reported that Falcons owner Arthur Blank did not want to be the first owner to fire a coach this season. The firing comes a week after the Texans fired head coach Bill O'Brien. I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons end up having a top five pick and starting from scratch. So the next question, of course, I had was, what's the next step for Atlanta, and do they now start from scratch? As I previously mentioned, I can see the Falcons looking, or not looking, tanking for the rest of the season and getting a top five pick. There is also multiple reports that say Matt Ryan could be done in Atlanta after the season. However, the Falcons would have to find a trade partner because Ryan contract with Atlanta for the next four years is very massive. Not a lot of people are going to want to trade for that. They also have at least have one of the best receivers in the game and Julio Jones, who has been injured the last few weeks, but he just got paid a bunch of money too. So there are rumors that Jones could be gone also after the season, but we're still months away from the off season. Atlanta has a lot to think about in the next few months. Who will replace Dan Quinn? Now my reaction is I think replacing Dan Quinn would be the easiest part. Of course, Eric Bieniemy would be the obvious choice of the Falcons next head coach. 
the enemy has been a great offense coordinator the last three seasons, and I'm still not sure on how he wasn't hired as a head coach last year. He helped Patrick Mahomes tremendously and led them into a Super Bowl title last season. Another option would be Greg Roman of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, now, Josh McDaniels of the Patriots would be a good coach. Dark Horse maybe Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And, of course, if Raheem Morris does well as the interim coach, he will be the guy. But they are just some of my thoughts on replacing Dan Quinn. On the other hand, there's not really a guy that stands out to me replacing Eric Dimitriov. Lewis Reddick of the Mothership, or ESPN, has been gaining a lot of momentum to become GM in the NFL. Reddick is currently an ESPN Monday football analyst. Maybe Martin Mayhew of San Francisco, or another ESPN analyst and former Jets GM, Larry Tannenbaum. Let's get an update on the French Open. Rafael Nadal wins the 20th, his 20th major Grand Slam title and his 13th at the Roland Garros. With the win, Nadal ties Roger Federer for 20 Grand Slam titles. Nadal is considered one of the greatest male tennis players of all time and has been won and has or me, and swept Novak Djokovic to the 2020 French Open Championship. The big thing was Nadal swept Djokovic and didn't lose a single set at the 2020 French Open. He was the first male tennis player to ever do that. There were many plans and fans congratulating Nadal, including Roger Federer and 2020 Women's French Open champion Iga Swantek. Unfortunately, Nadal was not able to continue his rivalry with Roger Federer after Federer shut himself down because of a knee injury. My thoughts was Nadal was great and couldn't be stopped. Even the top tennis player in the world couldn't beat him. After missing six months of tennis because of the pandemic, he proved he is the best male tennis player in the world. It seemed as if Nadal didn't break a sweat in the whole tournament. Djokovic struggled versus Nadal and could not, could not rally to beat the Frenchman. Dominic Thiem could not win his second straight Grand Slam major. Of course, as we all know, Thiem won the 2020 U.S. Open in September of last month. Is Nadal the best male tennis player of all time? Well, that depends. Because we obviously have to consider Roger Federer, Arthur Ashe, Pete Sampras, John McEnroe, and of course Nadal are all considered the best tennis player of all time. So I probably wouldn't say not the moment, but once he retired, he'd be the greatest of all time in the tennis world. Nadal still has some time left and has clearly left his mark in tennis. Who is the best female tennis player right now. I mean, the best tennis player in the world for females is still Ashley Barta. Simona Halep and Naomi Osaka are still the top three female tennis players in the world. However, with Iga Swantek winning a 2020 Women's Single French Open major, she will definitely be in the conversation for the next few years. She still has time to prove herself, but she's definitely been noticed after winning her first major. Game one and two of the LCS. The Tampa Bay Rays won both games one and two over the Houston Astros. The Rays topped the Astros 2-1 in Game 1 and 4-2 in Game 2. Tampa has been the best in baseball this season, and they're showing it in the playoffs this season. The pitching has been great, and despite the Astros having more hits in Game 1, Tampa's bullpen was able to deliver. The Rays are seeking their second World Series trip and first since 2009. Now we travel from Petco Park in San Diego, California, to Global Life Park in Arlington, Texas. The NLCS started Monday, and the second-seeded Atlanta Braves belted over the L.A. Dodgers 5-1 in Game 1 of the National League Championship Series. Freeman homered in first, and Ozzie Elby hit a two-run shot to seal the victory. Max Freed gets the win for the Braves in Game 1. My thoughts to it? Well, for really, I really thought the Astros would split with the Rays in the first two games of the American League Championship Series. But you can't forget how good the Rays have been this season, and it starts on the mound. Blake Snell got the win in game one, and Charlie Morton won game two for Tampa. 
The Rays' bullpen has also been instrumental in both games. Tampa won game one because their bullpen was able to get them out of a jam in the seventh. Currently, it seems the Rays could potentially sweep the Houston Astros in the NLCS. What stood out to me in the most for both playoff series? The one thing that really stood out to me in the playoff series has been how, how good the Astros were in the wild card round and divisional series. Before the ALCS, I thought the Astros could in fact go to the World Series this year. However, after their performance in game one and two, I could be way off in my thinking. The Rays have been slept on all year, but if I were the Astros, I would get my act together and play as hard as I could for the next five potential games. Another thing that stood out to me is how good the Dodgers look like in the divisional round versus the Padres. Once again, after watching them versus the Braves in game one, I could once again be way off on my predictions. But there are plenty of baseball games left to be played, and the Dodgers need to figure something out quickly so they don't choke again. I do really think the Dodgers will head to the World Series this year and find a way to top the Atlanta Braves. Although Kershaw gets on the mound, he has to prove his doubters wrong. He's got to play his best postseason series ever and put the Dodgers back in this series. Bueller struggled for the Dodgers in game one and will have to be a lot better the next time he pitches in the series. Series predictions. It might be too early, but I'm assuming the Rays will take on the Dodgers in the 2020 World Series in Global Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Tampa has almost been flawless, and the Dodgers, in my opinion, will find a way to top the Braves in the NLCS. Both teams were the best in the regular season, despite there only being 60 games in the 2020 season. Tampa and L.A. went through the wild card round unscathed, but things were a little different in the divisional series. The Rays, or excuse me, not the Rays, the Dodgers swept, slammed Diego, and the Rays, and the Rays, excuse me, had to do a decisive game five to top the Yanks at Petco Park. Here's an interesting stat for the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa's payroll is 26th in the league, while the Yankees is number one. And yet Tampa's in the LCS and the Yankees are at home. My final thought on the World Series is the Dodgers get their first title in 32 years and defeat the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. Cody Bellinger is your 2020 World Series MVP. Recap of the crazy college football weekend. College football happened over the weekend and we saw a few upsets. The defending champs and 17th ranked LSU lost to Missouri 45-41 and 4th ranked Florida fell to 17th ranked Aggies of Texas A&M 41-38. Oklahoma won the Red River rivalry by beating Texas 53-45. The Sooners sealed the deal thanks to a last second interception in overtime. The 8th ranked Tar Heels beat 19th ranked Virginia Tech 56-45. Georgia continues to dominate as they beat down on Tennessee 44-21. Notre Dame had no problem against Florida State on Saturday night, beating them 42-26. Alabama beat Mississippi in a barn burner 63-48, and Clemson rolled past Miami 42-17. To say the least, it was a very exciting day of college football last Saturday. I can't believe, now here's my thoughts, I can't believe LSU has now started 1-2 after just winning a national championship in January. Seems like it was 10 years ago. Is the sky falling for the Tigers? Clemson just proved last Saturday they are still the team to beat or the Hurricanes aren't as good as people think they are. The SEC doesn't play defense. Alabama defense me, allowed 48 points scored for Mississippi. Texas A&M could be flying under the radar after knocking down Florida. Georgia is really good and might be able to challenge for might be able to challenge Clemson or excuse me Georgia is really good and might be able to challenge a tie. With North Carolina beating Virginia Tech, they are now in the top five for the first time in a very, very long time. 
Mac Brown is doing an excellent job at USC, which UNC, excuse me, which is normally a basketball school. Could UNC challenge Clemson for the ACC championship? Or will Notre Dame have something to say about that after taking down the Seminoles on Saturday night? Notre Dame looks great, but not looks good, excuse me, but not great. They can clearly play better. However, there are there's a lot of college football to be played, and in just two weeks, the Big Ten gets started on their shortened season. Also, don't forget the Pac-12 starts their season on November 7th. Who looked really good and who looked really, really bad? As I mentioned just a minute ago, I think LSU has not looked good. In fact, they have looked horrendous. The champs have started their season 1-2 and two and have fallen to Mississippi State and now Missouri. And worse, their defense has surrendered 96 points in just three games this season. I understand they lost a lot of players last year to the NFL, but you can't let that many points up and expect to be as good as last year. However, they do have a great offense and a solid quarterback. Miles Brennan isn't, isn't as good as Joe Burrow, but he's still pretty solid. Some other teams might be in trouble. Texas, Florida State, and every team from the Pac-12. But I think all those teams can bounce back and finish the season strong. Reaction to the top 25 rankings. Well, I'm not too surprised that Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame are number one, two, three, and four. However, I'm a little surprised that UNC is five. They have been playing well up to this point, but the question is, can they continue their success and will they be able to challenge Clemson for the top spot in the ACC? Another team under the radar is Cincinnati. Cincinnati plays in the American Athletic Conference and doesn't get the same press as teams in the Power Five Conference. Plus, they have a very favorable schedule this season and could go 10-0. and 0. Their toughest opponent will be in week will be in a week when they take on SMU at the Mustangs' home turf. Despite Ohio State not starting their season, they're still in the top 10. The Buckeyes are ranked 6th, and there's a great chance they can still make it to the college football playoff with one loss. However, don't discredit Oklahoma State. I understand they play in somewhat of a weak conference in the Big 12, but they could run the table and go undefeated and make the college football playoffs. Now let's go to the NF- to the Week 5 NFL highlights. Now let's get back to some tops let's get now let's get back to some games in week five of the national football league my thoughts first we start with the raiders upset the champs the las vegas raiders traveled to arrowhead to take on the super bowl champs the kc chiefs the raiders haven't beat haven't beaten the chiefs at arrowhead since 2012 the raiders were able to run the football and keep patrick mahomes on the sideline Derek carr played a good game but it was the time possession that really helped las vegas edge out the best team in football Josh Jacobs is running like a wild man, has been able to lift the Raiders to a 3-2 and two record. The contract the Raiders gave to John Gruden two and a half years ago doesn't look so bad with Las Vegas having a winning record. Las Vegas defeats the Chiefs 40-32. to 32. The Browns keep winning? What? This does really shock me. The Browns are 4-1 and one and are currently in the AFC playoff picture. The Browns' defense was able to shut down the Colts' offense, and Baker Mayfield, despite injuring his shoulders, having a lot better year than last season. Cleveland was able to show their 12,000 fans at the stadium that this is a different team from previous years. The Browns defeat the Colts 32-23. The AFC North is a very tough decision and might be the best in the NFL. However, the NFC West is pretty good too. Hunt added 72 yards on the ground and Jarvis Landry was able to receive 88 yards on four receptions. On the other hand, the Colts offense is in trouble. Indianapolis has a great defense, but their offense has to get it going. And that starts with the veteran Phillip Rivers. Rivers threw two picks in Sunday's game and is starting to look his age. However, the one bright spot in the Colts offense is rookie running back Jonathan Taylor. Cowboys avoid the upset. The Cowboys are 2-3 and three and lead the awful NFC East. 
On Sunday, despite losing their quarterback and top player, Dak Prescott, to an injury, Dallas was able to persevere and win the last-second field goal by Greg Zerline. No word yet on when Prescott can return from that horrific injury he suffered on Sunday. However, former Bengals quarterback and backup quarterback for the Cowboys, the Red Rifle, a.k.a. Andy Dalton, helped Dallas into two late drives to beat the hated rival, the New York Giants. It seems like signing Andy Dalton as the backup to Dak Prescott was a good move by owner Jerry Jones. The Giants are in trouble. They are now 0-5 and they're one of the worst teams in the league. With Barkley out for their foreseeable future, Jones needs to step up. I understand that Danny Dimes doesn't have a lot of help, but the great ones always find a way to figure something out. Steelers surge past the Eagles. My first thoughts were the Pittsburgh Steelers are now 5-0 and lead in the or excuse me, 4-0 and lead in the AFC North. With Big Ben healthy, the Steelers could once again be the top dog in the AFC. Pittsburgh defeated their in-state rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, 38-29. Roethlisberger, I think, has found a target other than Juju. His name is Chase Claypool. Claypool finished the day with seven receptions and added 110 yards and three scores. James Conner added 44 yards and 15 carries, and Big Ben threw for 239 yards. As we look at the Eagles, they need a lot of help. Carson Wentz doesn't deserve the blame he's getting. Wentz never has time to throw the football and always is trying to make plays for his team. The Super Bowl 52 champions need to get Wentz some help soon. Although Miles Sanders, the running back for Philly, had a pretty solid day on the ground, adding 80 yards on 11 attempts. Russell Wilson comes back to beat the Vikings. Well, that was an exciting second half of football on Sunday night. Russell Wilson came through the clutch again. Despite being down 13 to nothing going into halftime, Seattle was able to get on the back of Russell Wilson and score 27 to 26 to beat Minnesota. Wilson only threw for 217 yards and did throw a pick, but the last drive was Russ magic. Wilson now leads the league in touchdowns passes with 19 and has only thrown three INTs. A very questionable call late in the game for the Vikings to go for on fourth and one instead of taking the points to go but lead by one possession. Instead, it comes back to haunt the Vikings as they did end up losing by one point. I do, however, disagree with the last play on the game. I think Cousins' past should have been an incompletion, not a fumble. But that's how the season has gone for Minnesota. Now we head to Monday Night Football. For the fourth straight week, Justin Herbert played toe-to-toe with an elite quarterback. Herbert even had the lead going into the fourth quarter. However, just like in Charger fashion, they end up losing in overtime thanks to a field goal by Saints kicker Will Lutz. L.A. led New Orleans 20-10 to going into the break. But the huge future, excuse me, Hall of Famer Drew Brees refused to let that happen. Although the Chargers should have won the game but missed a 49-yard field goal, the Chargers, although the Chargers should have won the game but missed a 49-yard field goal. On the Chargers' first possession, they went for it on fourth down and were one yard short of the marker. The Saints came back to beat the Chargers 30-27 to in overtime. The Saints are now 3-2, and two, and the Chargers are 1-4. and four. Chase Elliott takes the checkered flag at Charlotte. The final race of the second round of the 2020 NASCAR Cup playoffs happened on Saturday afternoon at the Bank of America Roval 400. Chase Elliott, the number nine car, steered into victory lane. Elliott climbed his four straight victory at road courses. Currently, Elliott is in fourth place for the standings and has a very good chance of winning his first cup championship. Elliott won his third race of the season and his first at Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. The rest of the top five were Joey Logano, Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Blaney. 2019 Cup Series champion Kyle Busch was knocked out of the playoffs. The other three were Clint Boyer, Eric Amarola, and Austin Dillon. My first thoughts was that was a good win for Chase Elliott in the number nine car. That was Elliott's first win of the 2020 Cup playoffs. 
the number nine has a pretty solid season despite NASCAR shutting down for 10 weeks earlier this year. I think Elliott will make it past the third round and advance the final race of the season at Phoenix. I'm not sure he can catch Kevin Harvick or Danny Hamlin, but he can sure give them a run for their money. However, there's still three more races until the showdown at Phoenix Raceway. Clint Boyer is fine after his horrific crash. It's a shame that Clint Boyer crashed in the final race of his NASCAR career. He was knocked out of the playoffs and will now join the Fox Sports team in the booth. Boyer finished the season in 13th place. Boyer had somewhat of a tough season this year. No word yet on who will replace Clint Boyer for Team Stuart Haas Racing. Final round playoffs preview. Well, we're getting down to the final stages of the 2020 NASCAR season. It's been a wild ride, but Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin have mostly dominated the 2020 season. However, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, and Joey Logano could all spoil the next four races of the 2020 campaign. On Sunday, NASCAR heads to Kansas Speedway for the Hollywood Casino 400 to kick off the round of eight playoffs. The favorites to win at Kansas Speedway are Kevin Harvick, Danny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski. Hamlin won at Kansas Speedway earlier this year in the Superstar Batteries 400. Hamlin is also the defending champion at the Hollywood Casino 400. The race this Sunday starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Last but not least, the Lakers top the Heat to win their 17th championship. On Sunday night, the Lakers defeat the Miami Heat 106-93. The Heat beat the Lakers, excuse me, beat the Heat in Game 6 despite Miami not having Gordon Drogic and Bam Adebayo 100%. LeBron is now the first player in history of the NBA to become Finals MVP with three different teams. James has now won four championships. The Lakers claimed their first title since 2010. And L.A. has now tied the Boston Celtics for the most championships in league history. My first reaction is, well, I really thought the Heat were going to win the series. However, that did not happen, and the Lakers cruised over the Heat in Game 6. Although, Jimmy Butler played outstandingly and gave and give him a lot of credit. Butler proved that he is an elite player and top five in the league. Watch out for Miami next year. He'd have a very good chance to do it again next year. The Heat have a very good chance to do it again, as I said, next year. And, of course, there's not going to be any bubble. A lot of people are still not sure if James should have won finals MVP, including myself. Davis was spectacular, and it seemed that he should not have won the finals MVP after the Lakers. Well, I'm just saying, actually, I'm going to change that. Davis was spectacular, and it seemed that he would not have a good game if the Lakers lost. Before the, vo- before the voters voting for the MVP in the finals, people thought very differently. Before the final started, someone besides James and Anthony needed to step up, and they had a few from a few players. KCP was good, Rondo was solid, and Howard was all right. My other question is, are the Lakers really the best team in the league? Well, I think so. Even though the Lakers did not play the good teams that included the Clippers or Bucks, they did end up winning the title and claiming their 17th championship in a bubble for three and a half months. We will never know what the series would have been if players like Gordon Drogic or Bam Adebayo had been 100%. All we know is that the Heat played good, but the Lakers were just better. If you're a Miami fan, you shouldn't put your head down. In fact, you should put your head up high because you took the Lakers to six games without two of your best, better players. Not to mention the Heat beat the Bucs and Celtics in the Eastern Conference playoffs to take on LA in the finals. The Heat could be the team to beat in the East next season. And last but not least, what's the next for both teams in the offseason? First, the Lakers need to re-sign Anthony Davis. That's their main priority right now. They also might have to entertain the idea of trading Kuzma or Green. I know trading Kuzma doesn't seem smart, but I don't think he fits the Lakers very well. And plus, he is eligible for a big extension this winter. 
I don't think it's worth if I was the Lakers organization and there would be some teams that would be interested in the Arizona State product. The Lakers might get a nice return exchange for Kuzma. Also, Danny Green is getting paid too much with the Lakers. He was not great in the bubble and couldn't, couldn't make his open shots. I understand if they can't find a trade partner, but they need to at least try. On the flip side, Miami doesn't have to do as much. Now, they could try to land Giannis, but I'm not sure the Bucks would want to trade him to the Heat. Well, that's a wrap for this amazing episode. You can check us out every Wednesday and Friday on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube.